Spring is here, million dollar agent. It's the selling season. And this you sounded like Father Christmas oh, no. there. It was like ring, ring the bell, ring the bell. Hey, I guess, guess we'll, we'll talk about Father Christmas. Christmas. We, we've both got a common friend, Phil Lewis. Yes, we have. And I got a uh, request during the week. They wanted at the Westmead Hospital for Santa um, some support. And um, I had uh, no hesitation to contact Phil. I said, Phil, um, we need a Santa Claus. He'd be need, good at that. He'd be good at that. And Phil Lewis said, Tom, this is my specialty. I've been, doing, <laughs> I've been doing Santa Claus for years and years. Then it God was all of him. God love him. Yeah, love he's that. a great, gr- good, good man, Philly Lewis. Good friend. Okay. Another gonna... good Tasmanian. Yes. There are. There aren't many Tasmanians, but those that I know are all good. They're a small part of our country. How many times have you been in Tassie, John? Not enough. Probably three or four, uh, maybe four or five. You've been there, Troy? Yeah, twice. Beautiful so, part of the world. Unbelievable. If you get yeah. to spend a weekend down there and it's not winter... It's amazing. And they tell me the new, uh, there's some uh, eco-lodge there, there's a new museum there that's blowing people's minds. Got to get back there. Mm. We should yeah. do something down there. Training yes, thing. yes, let's, let's run a let's real estate. Yeah, let's do a real estate gym. We should do that. Hobart, and we've actually got a paper there, the Hobart Mercury. And you haven't, you haven't spoken at Hobart for us, no. have you, John? No, we should do that. Okay, we're going to do a Q&A, but we've had a fair bit of interest coming in from real estate agents that are asking the question, guys... Are you sensing the market's changing? And I thought it would be... I don't think it's interest, it's fear, right? It probably is because, John, for the last year, and Troy's going to be able to add to this because he's out there auctioning, for the last year, um, we've had a marketplace that pretty much has been doing everything for an agent. Firstly, let's touch on the issue. Is the market changing in Australia? Well, I think we've discussed it before on the show. If not, we've talked about it elsewhere. There is no Australian market. You know, Perth is different, to Sydney is different, to Brisbane is different, to Tasmania. Um, and what's really relevant is what's happening in your local community, because that's relevant. I think people say to me, is the Sydney market going to keep going? And I say, of course it can't keep going at this level much longer. Sydney's had about a 50% increase since the GFC finished. Give you a bit of a barometer or, or a benchmark. South East Queensland, or I think it's Brisbane actually, Brisbane has had a 6% increase. So, you know, you can't have one market an hour apart by plane doing 50%, you know, big, beautiful city like Brisbane and then Sydney, which is, you know, sort of arguably the New York of Australia in terms of it's kind of where a lot of the big businesses are based and a lot of the overseas wealth has been pouring into alongside Melbourne. Um, you know, Melbourne and Sydney can't keep going up at this level much longer. And if they do, there's going to be sort of a, an unfortunate end to that story. So the answer is, yes, there are cycles and patterns and Sydney has probably, I think, gone 80 to 90 percent through its cycle and I think Melbourne's probably the same but my, my question is so what if you're a great agent I, you know I, I sort of coach when I'm in, in our company talking to our guys I coach people to have a non-stop sales boom for the rest of their real estate career irrespective of what the stock market does what the non-stop sales boom I love that for the rest of your career Tom and and because you have control over it, because a non-stop sales boom for most people would be 100 sales a year, consistently year in, year out. That would put you amongst the top few agents in the world, certainly amongst the top agents, a couple in Australia. So so how do you do that? I mean, even in a, you look at statistics and we get ours like you do, Tom, from CoreLogic and from Graham. And, you know, Graham might say, well, you know, this particular part of the inner west of Melbourne or the inner east of Sydney, um, you know, volumes are down, listings are down from... Uh, you know, 600 a month down to 500. It's 16% down. 
And some people panic at a statistic. My view is, you know, all you've got to do is get eight to 12 a month, yeah. and you're amongst the top in the world. Yeah. There's not many industries that you know, people can sit there and say, I could be amongst the best in the world. I mean, that's, that's a, a big thing. David Choi, who, uh, Troy, you know David well. I think yep. you might even occasionally do some auctions mm-hmm. for him. David works at our uh, Castle Hill office yeah. uh, for the Smolin Group. Um, David, uh, Chinese origin, um, he listed, was it 28 properties last month, Troy? Yeah, 28. 28 listings, and we're not talking about blocks of land, subdivisions, or blocks of flats. We're talking about 28 listings. He is a dynamo. And if you said to him, what's the market going to do? He's too busy listing the next home to even talk to you about it. Yeah. He's just on his game. He's in momentum. He's selling everything he's got. He's creating raving fans. And this is the part. Too many people overthink it. They question. Then they start getting into this fear-based, oh, well, what if the market crashes? Well, yeah, the, the market's not going to crash. The, 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 the bubble theories are uh, nonsense. Uh, and I've heard them six, seven times in the last 30 years. They, they keep coming up. Look, Sydney, Melbourne, some of the cities that have, have had big increases, they might see at the tail end a slight correction, a few percentage points in my view. And we might see a few more percentage points up before we see a few down. But I think um, that's, that's a typical part of a cycle that, you know, you have sort of plateau, then you build momentum, then it re- reaches a crescendo, and then if it, over, if it oversells itself a bit, it comes back a little bit, then it plateaus and, you know, story goes on for centuries. What my, my concern is, and I, and I think it's Warren Buffett that, that says something that sort of, I think it's really good in this instance, this conversation. Buffett says, when the tide goes out, we'll see who's been swimming without trunks on. So the metaphor is, sometimes, and I think this market, certainly in Sydney and Melbourne, could be, could be a part of this next statement. Sometimes when, when the market is going well and everyone's in momentum and you know, buyers are crawling over each other to bid at auctions, agents that probably don't deserve to be doing exceptionally well are doing exceptionally well. And they start believing their publicity and they start, you know, even complacent behaviours can lead to success, unfortunately. What happens when the market tightens up and and there are less buyers, the people that aren't valuing properties rightly, that aren't in daily conversation with their vendors, that aren't putting in place fantastic marketing with digital, with print, with great signboards and great photography, people that aren't doing that, their clearance rates start dropping to 30 and 40%. Yeah. The people that are doing all those things that we teach, the three of us teach in this, this podcast series, they will continue to have 70, 80% clearance rates. All you need to do is value the property at any given point in time within an accurate range put out a great marketing campaign to find every potential buyer on the planet, which nowadays is getting easier and easier, follow up on every inquiry, have a high level of negotiation skills, manage the expectations of your vendor so you make sure that everyone's in alignment and everyone's understanding the same conversation, and you're going to get a 70 or 80% no matter what the market does. So what I'm encouraging people to do is if you suspect that perhaps part of your success in the last few years might have been because your market's been on the buoyant, or if not bullish side, you've got to really start looking at the detail of your game. You've got to look at your playbook and saying, prospect, list, sell, give me an honesty check. Okay, I might have earned 500000 last year, but the reality is, did I really deserve it or was I helped by the market? And you've got to get your act together because at some point, and I don't know whether it's in a month, Tom, or in six months or 12 months, but I suspect it is in the next 12 months, the market in those very hot markets like Sydney and Melbourne is going to start to cool. Um, 
Wayne Vaughan, who, as you know, is a good yeah. friend of ours and one of our top agents and a beautiful friend. I actually had dinner with him last night. He and his lovely wife, Tina, and their beautiful two-and-a-half-year-old son, Taylor. Wayne Vaughan said to me when the, when the GFC was in its darkest hour, and I, and I touch base with him as I do with most of my top people as regular as I can. I said, Wayne, so how are you feeling about the market? He said, JM, I hope it never changes. He said, right now, I'm selling more, I'm making more, vendors are ringing me up because they want someone that knows what they're doing. Yeah. And he wasn't saying this with any ego, because that's not what Wayne's about. He was just, you know, he was saying, this is a great market for great agents. Yeah. Because, you know, in a boom market, every agent looks good. It's hard yeah. to actually tell who's looking great, because everyone's kind of, you know, sold signs everywhere, pages in the paper, people lining up to bid and register. It's in the tough times, the best agents that are doing it right and pricing them right really start to excel. So his view was, you know, in a sense, he wished the market didn't change yeah. because this was a market that needs and demands a competent agent. So I think it's interesting. You've got to try, you've got to get out of this fear-based stuff, though. You know, there are people that they're fearful of the market changing. You know, it, I don't care if the market changes because all you can do is do what you have to do within any given market. And I remember years ago, Alan Dom, who was very successful in Philadelphia, and he was selling you know, a few hundred properties a year. Interesting strategy, Tom. I don't think you've ever met him, but he only focused on six buildings. Strata buildings, what we'd call strata buildings. They'd call them condominiums. He only did six, but he knew every square foot on every level. He knew the concierge's name, their kids, their spouse. He knew every single thing about every single listing in every building. And uh, he, he was phenomenally successful. Um, and I think it's just one of those things that, you know, you've got to have a look at what are you doing in your market. He was a great example. He would often list properties without going to see the vendors. They'd ring up and they'd say, Alan, just, you know, I've got this property. He'd say, great, you're on the 35th floor, you face southeast, you've got, you know, 648 square feet. The last one, two levels down, sold for this and sold for that. I've got six buyers, you know, that I'm going to be seeing this week looking for that. Yeah, he was a master yeah. of selling. So you know, it didn't matter for him. It didn't matter for Wayne Vaughan. It doesn't matter for the best people what the market does. It matters. And he used to say to people, you know, right now I'll tell you what the market's doing today. What it did yesterday, what it's going to do tomorrow are kind of irrelevant, but I'll tell you where the market's at today so you can make a business decision as to whether or not you want to transact in this environment. If that's not enough for you, we can wait, and I'll tell you, I'll call you when it's enough. Yeah. Is it going to go down? I don't know, but I can tell you what you can get today. So his product knowledge and his calm confidence and uh, I think his just certainty of the way he did business, that had him in this non-stop perpetual sales boom. So one of the things that as you're speaking, John, and listening to this, Troy, Michael Hannon, who you know very well, very well. and he sold um, Wentworth Courier and uh, you know the rights to Vogue, to, to News Corp, who, who I work for, I'll never forget Michael Hannon said to me once, we'd broken all these records on our targets. And as I walked out of the room, he said, Tom, and by the way, nothing breeds failure like success. Yeah. Very smart man. Yeah. Because, John, when you're successful, which a lot of agents have been in the last 12 months, you stop doing the things that made you successful. So if it's okay, guys, can we focus on five or six of these traits that good people have that may have been covered in this market. The good people, they put deals together versus the market putting a deal together. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Pricing's the first one. Pricing. Because in a market like this, you, you could have been a bit sloppy with pricing and you sort of turn up and you get an agency signed and as long as it's within Cooey, the likelihood was people would, enough people would turn up at the auction to get you pretty close, if not over the line. If and when the market tightens, and, and you know, whether that means listings or sales or buyers or whatever it is, when the market shifts, you know, pricing becomes more forensic process. And if you go to the market sometimes and you're 3 to 5% overvalued in, in the vendor's minds and you know, you're, you're giving them a price that's not achievable, well, currently that'll be hidden, but you know, maybe in 6, 12, 18 months, you'll have to pay the price for that. So I think pricing is really the first thing. And, and what goes hand in hand with that, Troy, is managing expectations. So it's around you know, daily contact with vendors. You know, you've got to be in touch with your vendors every day, letting them know what are the conversations being held, what are people saying, in granular detail, not just, oh, the buyers in general like your home. A few of them think it's on a little bit of a busy street. That's, that's not mastery. That's not excellence. That's kind of like slapdash generalisation. What you need to do is sit down week to weekly face-to-face meeting and say, Troy, you know, I've had 27 inspections this week. I'd like to just run through with you the exact details and, and what people are saying. And I'll just start with the Smiths and the Joneses and the Browns. And here's what they said. And one of the tips, Tom, that I've given occasionally when I'm coaching people is with my open for inspection list on the callbacks, I always write in a different colour pen. Right. What, so, yeah, what do you do that? So I'll have a red pen. So the comments then stand out. So mm. on the day I'm writing, what are you looking for? You know, what's your phone number? What's your email address? And I'm taking notes. When I'm ringing them back, I want something so I can quickly find out what was their feedback when I called them back. So I write in a red pen. Then when I sit down with the vendors, when I used to sit down with the vendors, I would sit next to the vendor and I'd pull out the open for inspection list with the red pen markings and I'd take them through and I'd take them through each buyer and I'd talk about what people said. And they could see in the red, these were comments that I was making while people were on the phone. So they're real comments, they're totally authentic, they're accurate, and it's almost like they can hear the buyers talking to them. Whereas a lot of agents, they're generalists. Oh, you know, there's a few people that are put off by the busy street. Well, that sounds a bit like a sales spiel to me as a vendor, and you're trying to sort of beat me down. You've got evidence there. You're showing unquestionable proof. Detail. Detail. And I use the name. You know, the Jones, a lovely family. They came for the third time today. They brought their daughter back, you know, to have a look. And they, they spent about half an hour there. So I'll, I'll tell them the accurate information because that puts them in the picture. So and then I'll say, that's, this is, they've decided, unfortunately, this minute not to pursue it because of this and because of this. Uh, so I think it's really important, okay, the detail. So, so, so one of the things you're saying, John, is pricing becomes critical. The next thing you're saying is vendor management, daily conversations, getting them to accept the reality of the marketplace, um, giving them um, transparency on what people are saying is critical. Weekly face-to-face. Weekly face-to-face. Weekly report. Weekly report. The weekly written report's important too. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a combination of all three. You need daily vendor calls. Components of a weekly report include what in it? Um, basically, it's, it's mirroring what you've told them. Yeah. Probably a bit more detail. It'll have some of the components like marketing response. Before so or after the face-to-face? After. I will never put anything in writing that I haven't told them because then you lose credibility. So I go through everything with them. The only things I'll put in writing that I haven't told them might be um, realestate.com.au's had this many inquiries this week versus last week, those sort of things. Because you don't, you don't, you've only got a certain amount of bandwidth when you're face-to-face with them. John, if someone's listening right now to this podcast 
and they're scared to have that face-to-face conversation about negative stuff about the property, negative stuff about the price. What's the best piece of advice you can give to that listener? Because yeah. I know it is an issue. Some people have got the addiction to make people happy, yeah. but they have a total aversion to upset them. I'm, I'm glad you've raised it, and I think it's one of the things that stops people reaching anywhere near their potential. It's this you know, sort of wanting to please all the time and fearful of giving people the truth. So a couple of things. Number one is you need to get permission up front, or I used to get permission up front, to say, Tom, as we go forward, one of the things that I like to do with all my clients is just tell them the absolute unsugar-coated truth as to what people are saying about their property so they can understand when offers come in what people like and what they don't like about the home. So what I'm just wanting to check with you is if you're happy for me to sort of tell it to you, I guess, tell it to you as it is. In 32 years, I've never had a vendor say, no, no, I want you to lie to me and tell me all the good stuff and keep all the bad stuff from me. People say, of course, you know, let me know. So you get a bit, you get permission up front. So John, this is in the McGrath model, you call this setting the stage in your listing presentation, Correct. don't you? Correct. This conversation is had not when you're about to give them the bad news. This is part of the original arrangement at the listing presentation. Correct. But, bad, but it's not even bad news. It's the news. Yeah. Because sometimes, because bad news suggests in, 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 in other environments occasionally what the old-fashioned word, which I hated and I've never used, but people use it, is conditioning. Oh, you give them all the bad news, that conditions them. I'm saying, no, you tell them the facts so they can make an intelligent, informed decision. That's the way I see it. So if I'm giving someone bad news, it's kind of, well, it's, it's sort of different. It means that I've probably told you a lie up front and now I'm trying to bring you back to reality. If I say, Tom, what I want to do is just keep you informed every step of the way, most of my clients find it helps them to make the right decision at the right time when they hear all the facts. And, you know, the facts are the good and the bad. Sometimes people say nice things about a home. Sometimes there are reasons that people don't want to buy a home. And I'll take you through all of those if you're comfortable with that. And as I said, in three decades, no one's ever said no to me. So I think that, that's, really, that's really critical. Um, the, so other one, the other one, John, I was going to say, is equally to the vendor expectations and vendor management is the buyer management. Right. Um, I don't know whether it's a common issue for all our listeners, but I kind of have a bit of a game with some of the agents in the areas that I look after and I'll send them emails via realestate.com to see as a buyer inquiry and that's strictly to see how many are going to respond. So the Wayne Vaughans and the Kevin Dearloves working out of our Epping office, they have a clear strategy around buyer management that every single person that makes an inquiry gets spoken to on the phone or gets a detailed email response. Mm. Not just the generalist, hey, it's over 500,000, see you at the open for inspection. They go through the steps to make sure that they extract everything they need out of that buyer yeah. to help them along the way. And yeah. I think when you get to a good market where you do have buyers climbing over each other to make an auction or to bid on a property, some agents forget the importance of managing their expectations as equals to the vendor and making yeah. sure they're helping them make informed decisions. A little bit off track, but I thought it was just... No, 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 no. As we come to the end of this podcast... I'm actually feeling very optimistic about what we've talked about because what we're saying is, regardless of what the market's doing, you have an opportunity to grow your market share if you're a great vendor manager, if you're great at pricing, if you're 
um, world class at connecting with your buyers and really discovering what they're looking for. Mm. And if you can do that sort of stuff, you will have an unfair advantage over the agent that may in the last one to two years may have winged it because they had a marketplace with a costume that covered the faults that that agent may have fallen into the complacency. And, and I think the bottom line, Tom, is get your business fit now. And by the way, we are talking, some of our listeners are in areas where the market's not on fire. Mm. So they might be actually relating to the second part of the conversation as, as we sit sit here today. But if you are in one of these markets that's been pretty hot and you're fearful that it changes, number one is don't be fearful. doesn't matter what the market's doing. What you're doing is what matters. Um, number two is if you think that there are some um, weaknesses in your arm, armament, um, you need to fix those. Get your business rock hard fit. So if there is any shift in the market, you can just go on to your perpetual sales boom. So hopefully well, it's good. We only got through one question today. It wasn't even a question. It was really what people were talking about, wasn't it? Yeah. John, um, as usual, and Troy, the McGrath team is always... Uh, kind enough to share some of their uh, intellectual property and on my website I will have the personal audit. The personal audit um, is a thing that you rate yourself from 0 to 10. Yep. John, I'm looking at some of the things, attitude, taking responsibility, energy, enthusiasm, delegating non-dollar productive activity, integrity in everything that you do. Um, um, selling before auction, world-class open houses, your hot 25 buyers. We're talking about the KPIs that make you a world-class agent. Go do the audit, have a serious assessment. How are you doing? And I know that, John, you've always had an action plan. Anything five and under, you circle and you start renovating. No, anything under eight. Eight. Yeah, because my view is in this world of business, when you're doing an important task like selling someone's home, you can't be a 6 out of 10 and be serious about being a great agent. Someone hands you the keys to their home, the deeds to their most valuable asset, the once in a, in a generation sometimes or once in a decade opportunity to get them the best amount of money that can change their life. Mm. You know, if you get someone a great result versus an average or a bad result can change someone's life, you can't turn up and seriously tell me it's okay to be 5 out of 10 organised. Because if you're 5 out of 10 organised, you're not returning calls, you're missing things, there's data that's not right, you're not well prepared. You don't have that right. Um, so I think anything under eight, you need to have a good hard look at yourself and you need to say, should you be in the game if you're prepared to accept five or six out of ten out of key areas? So, yeah, go, go to Tom's site. TomPanos.com.au, those that want to do the gym, realestategym.com.au. And a big thank you to our sponsor, realestate.com.au. Hey, I think we mentioned it last time as well, the discovery part. Every property gets a listing on REA. That's on the homepage. You can jump on and you can see all the information. Well, what does that mean? So this is, means if you have, you put your own address in? Yep, it, I did it last night. You put your own address in, it comes up with when you purchased it, it may have a photo if it was sold via real estate. Photo of you? No, 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 photo of the property. Oh. So I only bought my property. You had a photo of the house. What a website that would be, having a photo of you. <laughs> Bought my property a couple of years ago, so I typed in my address and it came up with the sales history. It was really cool. So when you're making a decision, Does it have a photo of the property. Photo of the property. So if it was listed on, that's RBA, pretty cool. Yeah. So you could jump on, search it out. You scroll down. It's integrated with CoreLogic RP data, and it has the sales history. So when buyers are doing their search, when you're doing a search on a property, when you're looking at other properties currently on the market, 
it's a great tool for buyers and sellers. So I can put in your address and work out how wealthy you are now. No, because you don't know my address. Tom, off the the back of these big salary we've been paying for this uh, very expensive uh, production that we do here. Extraordinary. Who would have thought (laughs) that Troy Malcolm came in as a humble servant and today is a multi-millionaire out of a simple podcast? I want to talk to you about just a few days because I know we're wrapping up. Um, A few days ago, I had the great fortune to be on a show in Sydney called Fitzy and Whipper. Is Mm -hmm. it Fitzy and Whipper? Nova. Nova 969, yep. Uh, and I think Troy rates well, doesn't I? I don't listen to it because I don't listen much to the radio at all. But, um, I, Tom, I haven't met two nicer guys in my life. I, they were just such charming, lovely, honest, down-to-earth people. And I thought, isn't that great? Because they, they're both, from what I can tell, they're both phenomenally successful. Yep. And they're probably being paid stacks of money. And they are just so down-to-earth. And I thought, that's what success is really about. When you can be at the top of your game... You can be famous wherever you go. You can be earning, you know, telephone numbers, annual salaries, like I'm sure those guys deservedly are. And yet, I've never met people more humble. And just when you came in, they said, "Look, oh, we're so glad you're here. We're so excited to meet with you." And because they want to talk about Shark Tank, right? Because Shark Tank's yeah. coming up to. You know, we're, we're about to do a, a second series, which is good. And so I was a little like, you know, a little bit of a chat for PR and a bit of awareness that, that casting for Shark Tank. Uh, is coming. So any, any of our listeners, if you or your kids have got great ideas or your, your spouses, well, tell them to come along. Johnny, um, let's finish on this point because I just forgot. That day that you're talking about, I was driving Madeline and Christina, my two daughters, to school and um, my girls love that station and it was <laughs> five to eight. And they said... After 8 o'clock, we've got Johnny McGrath <laughs> coming in who's going to tell you how to make your next big idea a million dollars. Then I had my daughter saying, could I hold off from dropping them <laughs> at school as they anxiously waited uh, how they were going to turn their pencil case into a multi-million dollar <laughs> idea. So, uh, yeah, I'd love it. Well, look, I hope, I hope people keep watching, but uh, that was a good show. Um, today and we're going to do Q&A next week next week we're back to Q&A I want to thank everyone Springs here let's have the great spring of 2015 see you next week see you next week week, guys bye